Hey guys, Hunter here. Wanted to ask you a quick favor. We're really trying to grow the podcast and podcasts typically grow by word of mouth. So if you enjoy this episode, please share it to your story on social media or make a post about it anywhere that that you uh, consume content. Put the word out. We really want to get the word of health and fitness out to as many people as possible. We really appreciate it. And now let's get to the show. And we're back with the Coyote Fitness Podcast. Hunter here, coming to you, Flowood, once again with Caleb. Today we're going to talk about commitment. And we're going to talk about why you have to commit before you can change and why it's such important, such an important thing to commit and why we really try to get uh, our members to commit to do something before they actually do it because if they don't commit, they're not going to get the change they want the progress they make. And so you got to commit before you can change. And we're going to talk about why that is and, and, uh, strategies that maybe you can, uh, help you commit to, uh, actually achieve the goal that you've been wanting to achieve all along. It's kind of like the whole thing is what comes first. We would like for the result to come first. And then we would be like, you know what, I'm going to commit to that because it works, but you got to commit to it. It's the other way around. And that's what everybody, that's really what determines success is, are you a person who commits and then because of that commitment, do the things necessary to create the change. If not, you're always going to be searching for, you're always going to be um, stuck. You're always going to have it backwards because you're going you're gonna to want the outcome before you can create the change. And change is what makes it not easy. Change is what's required in order to have something new, to have something you don't have. So trying to get this order correct in people's mind and encourage people to when you switch that order in your mind then you understand that okay the decision i need to make is to start the decision is not going to come until i like i've got to start first before Mm -hmm. i can have the thing we can't have the bank account before you do the work right you've got to develop you got to have the work done so that you can see all the things that you wanted to get out of it. So trying to get the order correct in people's mind is what's hard. And honestly, it's why people don't see success in the gym. It's why they don't start in the gym because they sit here with us and they want the outcome. But I I don't know if I can commit to that. I don't know if I can commit to that long when what they're wanting is the thing that would come if they just commit first. And so we have the, you know, experience of working with so many people over the years that we can really track the client's journey and we can track the successful journey and we can track the quote unquote unsuccessful journey of maybe somebody who didn't achieve they want what they wanted to achieve or they stopped coming or whatever. And pretty much across the board, it comes down to commitment. How committed were they from the front end? And the person who comes in and joins and says, I I'm going to sign up for a year most of the time that person is going to make a lot of progress because they walked in and they have, they committed and they were like, you know what? I'm going to put my money where my mouth is. I want to achieve this goal and I'm going to go for it. And on the flip side, the person that comes in says, I, uh, I just want to try it for a month and, and see, uh, if it's going to work for me. Most of the time it's not, they're, they're not going to stick around for a long period of time because they, what happens is that person 
They come, they come three times the first week. They come two times the next week. They come two times the following week. Then they come once. Then we don't ever see them again, you know, because they never fully committed. And um, that's something that I think people get backwards, like you said, that they think they need to get the progress before they make the commitment. When in reality, you got to commit to what you need to do before you ever see the results that you want, because that's how that's how anything works in life. And that's that's how a job works. You have to commit to the job before you get the paycheck. You know, it's it's not and it's not vice versa. You don't get the paycheck and then you say, oh, OK, well, I think I'll do this job. No, you got to you got to commit. You got to sign your contract before you get your your signing bonus or before you get your first paycheck. Um, and uh, that's that's how marriage works, you know. You, you got to commit before you actually get married. So um, let's talk about some ways uh, that, that, you, that you see this manifest in itself, Caleb, with, with the people that you work with. Well, I, think I, I, I didn't even think about it, but I posted about this yesterday. Uh, it's one of the reasons why we just realized that it was doing people a disservice when we offered them an option. Let's talk about our nutrition program. Like when we give people a short-term option – um, it, it gives people the opportunity to start something without fully committing to it. And so what we realized is that even though it was going to limit the amount of people that we work with, um, what it was doing is it ensured that the people we did work with were going to see success because they were making a commitment that was big enough to change their food and their eating. And when people commit to something for 12 months or for a year, all of a sudden they have decided that they are serious enough about it to actually change. When you give someone an option that is a shorter commitment, you are opening the door for them to fake it just long enough to get through and then not know if they're going to have what it takes to sustain that. And we don't want anyone to change for a short term and then to go back to where they were. All the things we work with clients are for lifetime. It's for longevity. It's for wellness. It's for fitness. And so because we're in, for instance, the nutrition side for me, it, it becomes a thing where it automatically, it almost automatically means success. If someone goes ahead and signs up, you almost can put it in the bank that they're going to be successful. And so for us now, it becomes about talking and getting people to that point where they see that that's the order that it comes in. So that's one thing that practically we've changed is that we just eliminated those options. We started this when we took over this gym um, out in Flowood. A lot of gyms had three-day-a-week options, and we knew that people's success came on the fourth day, the fourth, the fifth day, and that the key was to make it more sustainable to work on mobility, to work on um, the get, taking the pressure off of intensity and having to go and do this long workout. But to say, you know what, if people can just come to the gym four or five days and they can moderate the intensity to, to meet their needs, what we saw was that their progress came in that fourth or fifth day. When you give people an option for three days, they're going to take the shorter option. And so they're, and they're probably going to come two days. That's right. And so we're just trying to maybe... I think w what we've changed practically is just we've set parameters on we just don't give people an option. And yeah, it filters people out who want that. But honestly, um, we want we want to be able to back up our talk with results and what we've seen from people. And that's been the case. We don't want to just work with people who are not going who are going to pay and then not ever show up. 
people people will joke and talk, talk about somebody who signed up for a year and then they don't show up for a few months and they're like, oh, that's your ideal client. And I'm like, that's not our ideal client. We want all of our members to come. We want all of our members to get results. We don't want to work with people who aren't going to put the work in. And like you said, that filters out some people and that and that's fine because ultimately our goal is to help people drastically improve their quality of life and their health and fitness. And we're not going to be able to do that if they're not showing up consistently. And in order for them to show up consistently, we have to get them to commit. And that's why we want people to uh, commit to a year because we know if they commit to the year, they're going to be much more likely to show up and get the results that they told us they wanted to get in the first place. Because if they didn't want to get the results, they wouldn't have walked in the door. You know, they walked in the door because they're looking for something. Uh, and we know we can give it to them, but we can't give it, we can't do it for them. You know, we can't walk around and do the workout for them and, and put it in into their muscles. We can't eat the food and then it goes into their stomach. You know, <laughs> they're the ones that have to do the work. Uh, we can provide them all the tools in the world, but they're not going, you know, we can't do it for them. And that's, that's why, you know, through over the years, I've just been able to meet so many different people and see so many different types of people walk through the doors of the gym and the people that have the success in the gym almost across the board are the people that have the success outside the gym. And <laughs> it, I, I make posts about this a lot, but how you do anything is how you do everything. And those people are the ones that walk in and sign up for a year because they know that, um, I need to commit to this or I'm not going to do it. And, um, because they understand that's how it works in life and that's how it works outside uh, the gym as well. And it's, we're not sitting here trying to sell your memberships to people on podcasts. We're just saying like, this is what it takes to, to succeed is you have to commit before you ever see the results or else you're never going to see the results. All you're doing is you're just learning the order of success and every single successful person will tell you in hindsight that the difference is that they just said, I'm committing to this and I'm going to do whatever it takes. And so when you learn that order in something like, you know, fitness or nutrition, it really helps you see that in business or in life, or like you said, in relationships or commitment. And so, um, you know, the thing that you saw, like you mentioned in marriage, where you make a commitment before you get all the benefits of marriage and what that looks like and the benefits of having someone that's committed to you uh, for life, that, that type of commitment is what leads to the behavior change. You make the commitment, and then the behavior change backs that up. And it's super scary. <laughs> and it's scary. That's Mar exactly I, right. I mean, I was scared before I got married. I told my wife this. Yeah, I was super nervous about it. Like You're like, oh, okay, this is the rest of my life. Uh, I'm making a commitment, but it's the best decision I've ever made, and I, t I tell her this every single day. Um, that I'm so glad I did, but it was scary. And we see that with people coming into the gym. God, I'm, I'm really scared. I don't know if I can commit to a year. I don't know if I can do that. Like, well, if you don't know, then you're not going to make the progress. Mm -hmm. Like you can, you know, and we've seen people that have come in and, and they try it for a month or two and they're like, you know what, this is great. I'm going to do it for a year. And we've definitely seen that. But by and large, m uh, most cases, the people that come in and say, I'm just going to commit to this. I'm going to go for it. They're the ones that end up getting the results that they want. And the people that say, ah, I'm not really sure I need to try it first. They end up just kind of not, not, not sticking with it because they never fully committed to it. You know, um, 
I was trying to think about some of the things that, that like people who commit, what do they have in common? People who are like that. And it made me think about a couple of things. One, like when people commit, they, they change their environment to support it. So when you commit to something, you're going to work to change your environment. And instead of letting your environment shape you, you go ahead and take the initiative and you change your environment because you've committed to this. You're done. You've got it, right? Um, another thing is that people who commit to something, they tell other people about it, right? They put the sticker on their car. And, you know, if you put the, if you put the 30A sticker on your car... You're, you're committed to 38. You're going to do whatever it takes financially during the year to make sure that you can go there yep. and you plan ahead. You're going to book it a year in advance to make sure that it doesn't get booked and you don't have a spot there. You're committing. You're putting it. If you put a sticker of the school on the back of your car, like you're committed to that school, you're going to do whatever it takes. You've made the commitment to it, and then you're going to change your environment. You're going to do whatever it takes to make that change. People who have Coyote Fitness stickers on the back of their car, they don't just they don't have a problem with going to the gym. They've committed to it enough to say, this is, this is my place. I'm proud of this place. And they're the ones that show up day after day after day. So you, you make, you, you get the sticker and, and then you make modifications to whatever needs to be done after that. And so the order is something that you do in your life in other areas. You maybe just don't realize that you're doing that. Um, and so, you know, buy the t-shirt, where, where you buy the t-shirt, you're committing to it because every time you're wearing it, you're, you're self-proclaiming that identity. And so, um, you know, those are things that we see from people who commit. They change their environment and they, they tell other people about it. Alex Harmozzi tells this story a lot of when he was at a makeup shop with his wife and he saw these two girls trying on makeup and they were super excited. They were like, you know, 12, 13 or whatever. And then the, the lady came over to help them and she was helping to pick some stuff out. And then she finished by saying, now, listen, girls, you guys are going to have to start budgeting this amount of money every month because you're going to have to, this is how much it's going to cost for you to wear your makeup. So you need to make sure you have enough for it every month. And he said in that one conversation, all of a sudden those girls were committed to buying makeup for the rest of their lives. And, um, what area, you know, we all have certain areas of our life where we're committed to this every single month. You're committed to, to your car because you're making a car payment every month. Okay. You're committed to your house or to your rent because you're making that payment every month and you have committed to that. And so we are committed to certain area, uh, areas of our life. And there, you know, we're going to find a way to make it work because we're committed to it. And if you just will commit to the gym, you will find to make a way to make it work. You will find a way to make it on super committed, uh, because that's, that's part of your goal. And what happens, like you said, you get the bumper sticker, you get the shirt, all of a sudden it starts becoming your identity. And once it's your identity, it's not going to stop. It's very, very, very hard for it to not be your identity anymore. Um, it's going to seep in and just become who you are. I'm the type of person who works out four days a week. I'm the type of person who eats my body weight in grams of protein every day. I'm the type of person who tracks my food. I'm the type of person who um, runs that turkey trot 8k on Thanksgiving morning. I'm the type of person that does that because it's my identity, but you don't get that identity change, um, until you commit first. And once it is the identity, that is your identity. It's super easy to do. You don't have to think about it. It's a habit. It's just who you are. Um, I'm trying to think this may be a stretch, but I'm trying to think about, and I use this in, in a couple we were doing some, some social media videos and 
we were talking about, uh, and over the past couple of years, we've been talking about succession. We talk about it a lot. And one of, one of the main characters, Jeremy Strong, he's a method actor. And we started, I started looking into method acting and what it means. I didn't really know it was a thing. Um, but basically what method acting is, it's, it's a, um, acts and billions. Uh, it's a full commitment to the character. It's a full commitment. It's a, it's a commitment to the character that says, I'm going to take these months before I even start filming, and I'm going to become this person, and I'm not even going to become myself until the end of the show. Until the show's over, until filming is done, I'm going to step into this person, and I'm going to even step into this person before so that I know that, so that people believe that my identity is this person. And I started looking up examples, and there's so many different actors uh, who who use this form of acting as a way to truly tell people and to truly bring others into that. And so I think for us, when I think about the initial stages of being a person that's at the gym, you you weren't at the gym before. And now all of a sudden, people in your life see you as this person who, oh, you go to the gym now, or oh, you, you eat salad at, when you go out to eat, or oh, you don't eat the chips. When when it comes in and at first you're you're you feel like a fraud because you haven't lost the weight yet but you're pushing the chips or you're not ordering the alcohol or you're just getting water or you're you know you're skipping dessert and sometimes we make these commitments and the other people who we live life with haven't made that commitment yet and it's easy to feel like a fraud it's easy to feel like your identity has uh is is fake or it's a facade but the reality is like when we talk about making these commitments before the change happens you kind of have to say like, yep, I'm going to fake it. I'm going to act like a healthy person. Even though I don't feel like a healthy person, I don't look like the person who's the example for everybody to see yet, but I kind of have to go into it with that mindset. And so what commitment does is it, it helps you fake it and it helps you... Until you make it. It helps you fake it until you're there. And then all of a sudden you've become that person. And I think that's the way we have to approach change is to be okay with like you know what, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to fake it. I'm going to do all these healthy things. I'm going to be this person. Um, and even though I hadn't seen the results yet, I've got to commit to it before. You know, fake it till you make it is kind of like a, you know, kind of like a funny thing people say about, you, know, you think of, you know, what my, the first thing that pops in my head is some Wall Street bro, you know, yeah. like <laughs> acting like he's, he's, he's got all this money and but you know what happens? Most of those guys do make it. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and we laugh at them and say, look at this guy. He's, he's acting like he's not it. But then eventually they make it. If you've got the guts to fake it, then you probably have what it takes. Because the things that, that you call fake are actually the things that those people do, right? Like mm -hmm. it's fake only because it's not your identity yet. But yeah. once it's your identity, you're not faking it. You know, you're not wearing the watch or driving the car or wearing mm -hmm. the clothes. It's like, yeah, you know, you got no money in the bank account, but you're getting all that stuff. Well, you're, you're changing your behavior to get the result. Um, another example, uh, like performers, if you've ever been to, I, I remember seeing, uh, going to concerts and seeing the, the performers, the artists who were warming up for the lead, like for the uh, whoever that you went to see. And oftentimes they're like really dramatic and no one knows who they are and like no one's paying attention to them. And it's just like people are still filtering in that sort of thing. But like they're performing the opening acts you're talking about the opening acts, the opening acts perform like they're the main 
Like they're the they're who people came to see, and they do it before they're there. I I saw videos. I watched you know documentaries. I love documentaries of artists, and you see these artists performing like the the noon show at a festival when everybody's hung over and waking up and there's you you know there's like 100 150 people out there but they're getting after it but they're getting after it and they're up there just going nuts and it's like that person is gonna make it they just they know what it takes and they're practicing before they get there. every successful artist they started in bars and nobody knew who they were when when they started the uh like the 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 Beatles, I think, did a super long tour of like playing like nightclubs with fifty people in them. But for years, they they played that. But they had to, you know, hone their craft doing that. And so you, they weren't the Beatles yet. Nobody knew who they were. They were just some band that was going out and doing it over and over and over again until they had honed their skills. And so so well, what are, what are the things you think about when you think about people in the gym who are successful? People who've been in the gym, you've seen them there for for ten years. What are the things that you think other people, um, what are some of the common beliefs that you think, well, not common beliefs, but what are some of the things that you see out of those people? Um, I'm a 5.30 a.m. guy. I'm a 2.30 p.m. class guy. You go you go to Monday, 2.30 p.m. class in Flowood. You're probably going to see the same people every Monday. Mm-hmm. You go to 5.30 a.m. and, you know, the morning people, they're always really proud of going in the morning, and they should be. It's hard to get up in the morning to go work out at 5.30 a.m. or 5 a.m. I'm a 5 a.m. guy. You know, they, they sometimes they give themselves nicknames or whatever, mm-hmm. you know, and you see the same people in there every single week um, or, you know, they're after work, and they have the same schedule week in and week out. You know, it's I'm a Monday, Tuesday, Thursday, Friday at 3.30 p.m. person. And that's just my schedule and that's what I do. And if I'm not there, you know, if they're not there, it's because they're out of town or they're sick, you know, that's it. Yeah. You, and you know, and you look at their attendance and they got the 1500 shirt on, uh, on their shirt or they got the thousand on their shirt or they're on the committed club every single month. They're super committed every single month. And when it times to come to pay again, they, they, it's like, Hey, you want to re up? Yep. Get my contract ready. I'll sign it when I come in. It's like, that's all it is. It's, 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 it's like rinse, wash, repeat day in, day out, week in, week out, year in, year out. And people look at them and say, gosh, I wish I had their genetics. Gosh, (laughs) what are they doing that I'm not doing? Well, they show up every single day, you know? Um, and it's just, it's just showing up every single day. Um, that's all it is. It, it's, there's not any magic formula. And we always want to try to find this magic formula that somebody's doing. This, I was having this conversation with somebody the other day who's made a ton of progress, and they were like, everybody, everybody's asked, what have you been doing? What have you been doing? I track my food every day. I show up and work out every day. I'm going to bed early, and I'm doing stretching every single day. Oh, you got to be doing more than that. No, that's it. I just do it every single day. And you know they're there every day because you check the, the leaderboard. You check the, the board. You see them on the, on the videos every single day. So it's to me, it's just they're a... They're a when they say I'm a 5:30 a.m. guy, you know that's their identity. I'm a 5:30 a.m. guy. I'm a 5:30 a.m. girl. I'm I go to the 6:30 class. That's their identity. When they say I go to the 6:30, that's that's who they are. And you know they're they will be there for a very long period of time, and they will make the 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 progress they want to. I think people commit to their schedule. They commit to their their time, and then they commit to the work, whether it's hard or not. And 
oftentimes we like you said the genetics we're looking for a reason to think that it's not as hard for those people and in reality it's just a commitment to the task regardless of what it feels like sometimes people ask me and they say like do you just not get sore or what i'm like well no like i i'm feeling the exact same thing you're feeling it just that's not a that doesn't mean it's not there that doesn't mean you don't do it that just means so it's uncomfortable it uh, means i did the thing yeah i did i did the good like i did the thing that's going to create growth i'm always sore if if i'm not sore i'm like what's going on i'm I need to do something because I'm not sore. I, I uh, back when I used to compete, I was a uh, like brand ambassador ambassador for a company called Live Sore, and it was kind of corny, but also at the same time, I was like, "This is so true because I'm sore every day, and that's just part of life. And if I'm not sore, I'm like, ah, I need to get sore again because being sore means I did something, and my body is adapting and making change, and I worked hard." And I earned this soreness. You know, I, I, I still think about that. I earned being sore, and I'm glad I did. Now, I don't want to get to where I can't get up off the toilet. That's too much. But I want to have a little soreness every day in my body because if I don't, I don't feel like I did anything. And do you, you don't have pain? I have pain all the time. <laughs> I literally have pain all the time. But I know if I have pain, I need to do something to get out of it. And that's just part of it. I think it goes with food. So it's like... Choose your schedule, like choose that the hard things or soreness doesn't doesn't play a factor in it. Um, but also like I think about eating and so many times people, <laughs> they think that like for people who have what they want or for the fittest people they know, they think that those things are easy too. They think it's easy to just eat protein all the time. They think it's easy to eat uh, a lean diet, like to eat lean meats and that you don't want pizza or you don't want zaxby's and it's like well no that's not it at all it's not any easier for anyone for everyone the desire is there for those things it just becomes what do you focus on do you focus on what you're going to gain from enduring that or do you focus on what you're missing and so i think just shifting that belief that no everyone else doesn't have craving everyone else um is not special they don't they don't have this superpower. They don't have this. Uh, they don't. They don't hate donuts. Everybody loves donuts. Everybody loves Waffle House on the weekend. But it's just that when you when you decide on the front end that you're going to be about the result, then you're just willing to endure it. And the more you do it, then yeah, it's not. I don't have to think about you know margaritas on Tuesday night because I just like I just don't do it. And it gets easier in that regard. But the desire for all those things is always there. The desire for comfort is always going to be there. And no, protein doesn't always taste good. I don't want to always eat enough protein. But you just learn to do it. And so I think that's another thing that you commit to is that uh, you commit to the realization that it's not always going to be easy. And it's not easy for all the fit people and hard for the people who are struggling. Everyone has the same exact um, experience with those things. Don't be dogging my cake and chicken sandwich. Yeah, no, I know. I used you're, a bad, that was a bad example. P- pressing some buttons. Um, so I was, <laughs> I was thinking about this the other day and just some people like it's what they do is they go home from work and they have a drink or, and, and I was like, I don't ever have a desire to have a drink during the week ever yeah. <laughs> because I know how I feel the next day. Um, and it's not like, I don't like the feeling of having a drink. Like I enjoy having a drink, but I know that, 
I have too many things I got to do the next day. And if I have a drink, it's going to affect me. And I, I think back when, way back when, when I started my CrossFit career, when I was in my twenties and I was going out a lot and I would go out every Friday and every Saturday. And, uh, I started doing CrossFit and then I was like, well, if I go out Friday, I'm not gonna be able to go to the Saturday morning class. Cause I'm not going to feel like it. So I'm just not gonna go out on Fridays anymore. <laughs> and it was as simple as that because to me, it was more important to be able to work out on Saturday morning than it was to go out on Friday night. And, um, so that was it. Um, I made the change and I wasn't a Friday night guy anymore, <laughs> you know, and I was a Friday night guy for a long time. All of a sudden I was a Saturday morning in class guy. And, um, it can be, um, as simple as saying, I'm this person, I'm the noon person. I'm the 5:30 PM person. If you, if you go to 5:30 PM, you're going to see me. Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, or whatever it is, Monday, Tuesday, Thursday, Friday, or I'm a Saturday morning person. I'm a 9 a.m. person. I'm an 8 a.m. person. I'm a 10 a.m. person. If you go, if you, uh, if you go to that class, you're going to see me. If you can make that identity and you commit to making that identity, then everything else is going to be easy after that. But you have to flip that switch inside your own head. I had a conversation with a client two hours ago and she was telling me, and we were, we were having this discussion and, um, you know, her kids are grown. She's a grandma. Um, she's in a stage of life where her identity has been set for a long time. And I just admired the courage to try to change that at that age, because it's very easy. Once you get even into your thirties and forties, it's almost like the mountain feels too big to climb. And you've set that, that identity in stone. It can feel overwhelming. But one of the things she was describing was that she would do nutrition coaching. And she was describing that her identity is around being a great cook. And when your identity is being around, being a great cook who cooks Southern food and desserts and is a great baker, um, her identity really is wrapped around food. And she was acknowledging that she has trouble giving that identity up. And so we began to discuss like strategies around still being able to do that, but also developing the importance of having an identity around food also means you have an identity around the side effects of excess food and unhealthy foods that taste great and bring comfort, but in excess in the wrong amount also lead to um, your health declining and some of the some of the challenges she was having. So we we really work with people and try to think about um, with our members who come in the gym, who people who come in for tours, we, we ask them what they want. What do you want your identity to be? We don't put that in them. We give people an opportunity to share the identity that they want. And when they have, when you have a conversation, people will convince themselves of what they know they need to do anyway. They're going to give us the answers. We don't have to tell people, all right, you need to work out a little more. We need to eat a little bit less. We need to eat a little bit more protein. And we probably need to think about sleeping a little bit more than you are. Everyone knows that. It's just giving people the opportunity to commit. And so what we do at the gym is we give people an opportunity to commit to what they know they need to do, and we give them a place to do it, and we're going to do everything we can to reward them and support them and to have that come as soon as possible. One of the, uh, you know, I think we can finish by, unless you have anything else, one of the last things, thoughts I had was in regards to identity, one of the most important things about identity is letting go of old identities that we're still trying to hold on to. And gosh, I see it with so many 
people that I uh, used to play sports with, and their identity is still that high school athlete or that college athlete or that professional athlete, and they have never been able to hold on to that. And I'll see guys that were super successful athletes in high school, but now they're 45, and they come into the gym, and you know because they're still talking about a high school football game or whatever. And, and I mean, that's, that's awesome. Those are great memories. But if you're still thinking you're that – 18-year-old running back, all-state running back, but you're 45 years old and you're trying to do what the 18-year-old could do, you're probably going to hurt yourself. Mm-hmm. And I've seen it happen so many times. And it's being being able to say, that was an awesome part of my life. I, I had so much fun. I enjoyed it. But I'm not that person anymore. I am now a father of three and a businessman. And I need to approach my fitness goals around that and do the things that are going to support me as a father and as a businessman and as potential grandfather down the road and not the things that are going to help me hold on to uh, that person I was when I was 18 or when I was 21. And that's a really, really hard, hard thing to do, really hard thing to do. And I've, <clears throat> I've been down that road. I, I held on to the identity of a CrossFit competitor well after the time that I was competing and it took a lot of work to be able to say, you know what, I'm, I'm changing my, the, 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 my identity of who I am and what I am inside the gym from that into somebody who is doing this to support uh, my life and my family and my future um, and my quality of life. And it, it changes the decisions that you make day in and day. I mean, it's very, very important because it changes the day-to-day decisions. It changes um, what weight you decide to do, what version of the workout you decide to do, how hard you decide to go, what, you know, all those things are changed simply by changing why you're there and and who you are, um, inside those four walls in the gym and, and being able to let go of what you were in the past and grabbing onto what you are now or what you want to be in the future, I think is so, so important to, uh, changing. And that goes back to what we're talking about commitment. You have to commit to it. I'm committing to no longer be the guy who's training to, try to set a PR and bench press. And now I'm committing to the person that's training to um, have a higher quality of life um, and live longer and being able to be there fully present and support myself and work and with my family and for my kids and for my future grandkids and hopefully future great grandkids down the road. I'm glad you said that because we talked a lot about getting started and committing to getting started. But you know, if you're listening to this, you've been in the gym and you know who Coyote Fitness is, and so you probably are in a place where maybe you're needing to change that commitment and you're needing to redefine yourself as someone. So that's a perfect way to end it. Uh, I think we all, at some point, if you've done, if you've been in fitness and health long enough, you probably are at a point where you started one way with one goal, maybe you got there, and maybe you need to shift that goal now that life is life is different than 10 years ago or five years ago or two years ago. And so I know a lot of new parents, we're about to be new parents. We've got um, parents whose kids are at a stage of life where that's changing how frequently and how much time they're able to, to contribute to themselves. And so trying to adjust that and also, you know, provide and do the things they need to do outside of the gym. And so I think that um, I heard something that was, that stuck with me this week. And it was talking about how like oftentimes we're caught in between wanting to gain value by the way we perform and how we perform in the gym and what we look like. But at the end of the day, what we really care about is longevity, 
and we don't really care about what other people think. We want to be around for our grandkids. We want to not be in pain when we wake up in the morning. And so the leaderboard and, and performance and our body composition and longevity are kind of opposites in a way. Sometimes they do overlap when the habits line up, but for a lot of people, it's committing to one goal. You can't go in two directions. You know, you can't go in the longevity and in the PR because PRs require a certain sacrifice of risk and it require a certain amount of commitment that maybe takes away from something else you care about. So, uh, you know, lining up the commitment of right before the workout starts, what am I going to do and how I feel the next morning? Those things have to align. And so I, I love the way we, I love the way that, kind of going about that reframing and recommitting to something no matter what stage you're I at. don't know why but when you're talking the the who song popped into my head who are you who that, are yeah <laughs> sing it what what how's it go who are. and that's good that's good who, but <laughs> but you know that's such a profound statement who are you you know who are you not who were you um who are you currently and if you can determine that you can change your identity in in five minutes if you really think about it not who what are you holding on to the person you used to be but who are you now who do you want to be and uh, i don't know deep thoughts all right so let's move on to the next segment <laughs> outside the box something a little lighter <laughs> uh what uh what you got outside the box let's, let's see you got some football over there i was gonna ask you this is this is time this this let's episode's gonna come out the nfl is gonna start this weekend and so i think it'll start uh, uh, maybe next week it, it'll well, just start when this come out but It'll have just started. Mm-hmm. Okay, so you'll be able to hear us. Week we one is in now. the books. Week one is in the well, books. Well, we got to call out. our shots. We haven't seen week one yet. So All right, so what are we calling? We're just doing predictions. We do this every year. We got to think about um, what do we want to try to predict. I know we've done, I know we've done AFC Championship, NFC Championship, and then Super Bowl. Uh, I don't. That did not go well. I think I I tried to call the Saints way too early. Yeah, good one. Way too early. Jameis, if you're out there. <laughs> All right. Um, let's pick uh, Let's pick each division winner. Okay. All right. You go first. So for well, I'll tell you what. Do AFC, and then I'll do AFC, and then you do NFC, and then I'll do NFC. All right. Um, and, then, and then we'll pick the, man, the bias. Super Bowl. Yeah, so the bias is there. I think that it would be crazy. I think it'd be crazy not to – not to commit to the Eagles until they prove that they can't. I said AFC. Pick oh, you a- said – I think you said NFC first. Pick, okay, all right. We'll do, see, N- all right, do NFC first. Go N- ahead. Yeah, I've already done it. All right, NFC divisions and then pick the uh, NFC Super Bowl. Uh, okay, all right. I think um, I think it's Eagles. I think okay. it's, I think it's the Eagles winning the NFC. Um, yeah, I just – I got to go. That's it. What about the – do you want to pick the NFC East? Oh, we can go divisions. Yeah, that's why I said divisions. Yeah, except I don't know all the divisions. Um, everybody that I'm looking at is uh, for NFC – the Lions? I mean, true. everybody knows this story that I've told, but um, Sarah tried to surprise me. I was watching Hard Knocks last year, and she thinks I became a Lions fan. <laughs> so, I have, so I have this Lions T-shirt that I wear, and uh, <laughs> I wore it at the beach, and we were packing the car, and this guy's like – uh, you guys heading back up to Detroit? And I was <laughs> like, no, we're heading up to Jackson. But, uh, all Different right. Different MI. So, uh, let's go with, uh, I want Green Bay to be good. I don't know the Aaron Rodgers thing. I like the angle of if Green Bay does well without Aaron Rodgers. So, we'll go uh, Green Bay. We're going with the Saints for sure. 
we're going with San Francisco and we're going with the Philadelphia Eagles. Okay. I'm going with Dallas Cowboys in the East. I'm going with San Francisco in the West. I'm going with Detroit in the North, but I could also see Minnesota. And then I'm going with the Saints in the South. And going out on a limb here, Cowboys to the Super Bowl. What? Is that a Dak thing? Is that a Mississippi yeah, State thing? Yeah, I'm just going to keep calling it until it happens. Uh, we're going with the AFC East. Um, Tua, he's going to get he's going to get hit. He's going to be out. The Jets. Um, I don't. I just don't. I just don't know. I, I don't. Coach doesn't have it for me. Um, so it's Bills. It's Kansas City. It's going to be mm, Cincinnati. I love Joe Burrow. Coolest dude in town. Um, coolest cat in town. And then we're going with, uh, ooh, this is a South. They're just all terrible. Um, mm, Jacksonville. All right. AFC. I, uh, yeah, I'm not picking a lot of <laughs> uh, AFC East. I'm picking Miami to win the division. I'm picking uh, Kansas City to win the West. I'm picking Cincinnati to win the North, and I'm picking the Tennessee Titans to win the South. And then I'm picking the Bengals to go to the Super Bowl. I'm picking the Bengals, Cowboys, Super Bowl, and I'm picking the Bengals to win the Super Bowl. Joey Burrow pull it out this year. Uh, Bengals, Eagles, and I am also going to go with. Oh, I can't do that. Dang it! I want. I'm doing it. We're we're. Uh, you picking the Bengals to win too? I want, I want, yeah, but I like Joe Burrow better than the Bengals in general. But um, I would, I could, I would 100% cheer for the Bengals. So I'm saying um, Bengals, Eagles, and it goes to Joe smoking the cigar, legs crossed. He's due. He's, He's due. It's got to happen. Uh, all right. Well, there you go. Our NFL picks after Week One has already come out, but a lot still of in-depth analysis yeah, there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We can, we can. Uh, you want to hit college football real quick? While we're at it, since yeah, it's already started, who are you picking to win the Super uh, the, the Super, Super Bowl? Bowl? Who are you picking to win the uh, national championship? Uh, Georgia. I, I just don't. I don't think it's fair at this point. I think they're riding that momentum, even though this is the year where they're expected to, and something unexpected happens. Yeah. It's it's hard to do. Has anybody done three in a row? I don't think in, so. In a while. Anyways. In a while. Um, I yeah, you just that's can't. Tough to go. Yeah, I just I don't know. It's hard to it's hard to pick against Georgia. New right quarterback. Now. I'm saying Georgia. No. I'm saying Alabama this year. Oh, that's just because your wife. Well, I mean, they're due. They're due. So, uh, all right, you got anything to recommend before we uh, wrap it up? Um, I'm going to recommend. All right, I got a book. Uh, I read it at the beach, Killers of the Flower Moon. It's about to come out as a movie with Leo DiCaprio and Martin Scorsese. It looks like it's going to be three and a half hours. The book is fascinating. It is about an Indian tribe who moved to uh, Oklahoma um, with the Trail of Tears and everything. And then they didn't like where they were settled. And so they ended up actually purchasing this other land um, that they wanted to move to that was in the hills because they, they saw how they said that, you know, the uh, uh, white man was coming and taking uh, all their land and they didn't think that they would like the hilly land. So they picked this hilly land. Uh, well, it turns out there's oil under this land and about 20 or 30 years later they strike oil and all of a sudden the uh this indian uh, tribe had per also purchased the oil and mineral the mineral and oil rights under the ground so they're all uh, 
fabulously rich all of a sudden every single one in the tribe uh becomes super rich and people who are drilling oil have to pay them uh, a fee every single year and every year they're getting more and more money well then you can the only way to pass on the uh the oil mineral rights from each each indian has a has the equal rights to the land um well the only way to you can't sell them the only way to pass them on is through uh uh, when you die, you can pass them on to your to your next of kin. Well, all of a sudden, these Indians start dying, and a bunch of them die, and so it becomes this huge murder mystery. And it's the founding of the FBI, and uh, J. Edgar Hoover is involved. And it's a fascinating book, true story. And uh, like I said, it's going to be a movie. So uh, I really enjoyed the book, and uh, I think if you like true crime, uh, American history, uh, that type of stuff, you'll really enjoy it. That's wild. I would. I did not. When you said the Indian tribe, I almost fell asleep on the Native American but history. Brought you back. But the FBI, yeah, um, that'd be interesting. Uh, I watched recently the um, Anthony Bourdain documentary called Roadrunner. I think you recommended this maybe a couple years ago when it came out, but it's on Max now, and uh, that was a guy who. What, here's a guy. Here's a guy who is. It's too early for that. <laughs> I guess it's that season again. Uh, but there's a, a guy who's larger than life. Culturally, everyone knows him and, and is living this adventurous life that we all wish. He's trying foods all over the world. He's traveling all the time, and it's, it's so elegant and all this. But in the turmoil that he was feeling inside and all of what he was sacrificing to go see the world and try all these and live this adventurous life, at the end of the day, what he was missing was consistency and it wreaked havoc in his family and his personal wow, relationships. Wow, look at you bringing it back. And so I think that for us, like looking at like seeing all the things that look so great on the outside, but down deep and from, it's really easy to get tied into that. Like, oh man, there's this great world out there. There's a grass is greener type mindset. And you realize that all of that was a big facade, you know, and a lot of that was uh, something he became. And I had no idea that that was his story. So if you like food and culture and travel and introspective kind of thoughts and uh, narratives, it's a really good story. It's called Roadrunner. Anthony Bourdain, rest in peace. Um, thank it's you, on Max. Thank you, Chris Collinsworth. So uh, I, I actually read his book, too, and he's a interesting, interesting guy for sure. So he lived a pretty fascinating life. So. All right, well, uh, that's it for this week. Hope you guys enjoyed it, and we will catch you next time. silky smooth sounds.